بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين. All praise is due to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. We commence in the name of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the most beneficent, the most merciful. Blessings and salutations always upon Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, his household, his companions. We ask Allah to bless all the messengers from the very first going all the way down and everyone who came and who was sent by the Almighty to remind us about the guidance, the goodness and the light and to remind us to stay away from that which is evil, unacceptable and that which will result in our destruction. Ameen. My brothers, my sisters, it is the first time I'm in your beautiful city. I'm so scared to pronounce the name in case I get it wrong, but I'm going to try, okay? It is Kulludufushi, is that right? Wow, the longest name of any city that I've been to so far in my life. So I'm sure that there is something unique about this place. I know there is a lot of water around, and I also do know that there are lovely people. And as I was coming to this venue, what many people on the globe don't realize is the uniqueness of the Maldives in its entirety in the matter of the mode of transport being predominantly by sea, subhanallah. You get to the airport, you jump into a boat and you go to your island. From there you jump into another boat or a seaplane and now, mashallah, there is so much of development that from the airport to the capital city, there is a highway equivalent to the M1 in London, in, in UK. Not as long, but in terms of quality and in terms of how broad it is, I promise you, it is world class. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you as a nation and continue to grant you growth, not only within the infrastructure of your nation, but within yourselves as the best of Muslims and as the best of humanity. Beautiful verses where Allah tells us that you are the best of nations developed for mankind, instructing that which is good. And in another place, Allah tells us how to instruct that which is good in the wisest and most beautiful ways. Remember that. And prohibiting or discouraging people from bad and believing in the Almighty. May we be from among those who can fulfill that beautiful duty unto Allah. My brothers, my sisters, the topic is written behind me, so I cannot deviate from it. But I had to tell you about the Maldives and about your beautiful city of Kulludufushi, which I'm going to come back to, inshallah. But you know from the time Allah created us, He started off and it was His choice by creating Adam alayhi salam. The first species, the first of our species, Adam alayhi salam. Allah created him exactly as he was, which means he was already the size 
he was already the size that he was going to be adam alayhi salam was never a baby he was never a child or an infant he was always an adult from the very beginning do you realize that because allah created him and allah taught him allah created his brain and allah put in his brain what allah wanted Allah says, we taught Adam the names of everything. All the names we taught him, we gave it to him. It is like a computer or a phone. When you get it and it's brand new, you have to add in it some of the apps you want, some of the contacts you want, you have to download into it, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already filled the chip of Adam alayhi salatu wasalam and I'm saying it metaphorically with whatever Allah wanted in the way that Allah wanted. So already when he was created, he knew how to speak. He knew the names. He knew everything. When he sneezed, he said, Alhamdulillah, subhanallah, rabbil alameen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Allah taught him. So as much as man is more sophisticated than a computer much more sophisticated than any computer on earth but at the same time allah subhanahu wa ta'ala filled the brain and the system of adam alayhi salam with conviction with iman with belief in him and with knowledge that allah wanted to fill it with so it was there there were no viruses in that system like we have virus when we download something on our phones that is detrimental for the phone there is a virus that goes in what happens it is hacked hacked by an enemy by a spy whoever else wallahi in our lives when we download or we engage in that which is detrimental against allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we have a virus in our own systems and our brains that's why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says regarding hypocrites fi in their hearts is a disease more like a virus that virus it's going to increase allah will cause it to increase if the person does not unplug themselves from that hypocrisy may allah protect us all from hypocrisy so when allah created adam alayhi salam his brain capacity was unique it was amazing because it was filled by Allah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Hawa alayhi salam and Allah gave her similar understanding. Allah gave her something unique. Allah taught her too. And Allah gave her because when Adam alayhi salam found her next to him, according to one narration of Ibn Kathir rahimahullah in Al-Bidaya wa Nihaya, where he speaks about how the first words when she, when Adam alayhi salam saw Hawa, he asked, Man anti, who are you? Right? And she responded, Ana Hawa, I am Eve. Subhanallah. And that discussion goes on. But it means she could talk. It means Allah taught her too. Amazing. After that, what happened? After that, my brothers, my sisters, besides Jesus, may peace be upon him, Isa alayhi salam, the rest of human creatures, humankind, the rest of humankind were born to a mother and a father. And when we were born, we came onto earth without being able to talk and say, I made the exception of 
Isa alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Jesus, may peace be upon him, certain miracles. Number one, he was born without a father. He was born miraculously by a soul that was blown into the womb of his mother, the Virgin Mary. May Allah's peace be upon her too. He was born without a father just by the power of Allah, the Qudra of Allah. And when he was a little infant, he spoke. Allah speaks about it in the Quran, all the miracles of the Prophet Jesus, may peace be upon him. It's amazing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this. There are four ways within which Allah has shown us his supreme power of creation. He created Adam without the involvement of a male or a female. It was only the creation of Allah. He created Eve through a male without the involvement of a female. That's the second possibility. He did it. He created Jesus, may peace be upon him, without the involvement of a female, without the involvement of a male. Let me get that correct. Let me start again, right? He created Adam without the involvement of a male or a female. He created Eve without the involvement of a female through a male. Okay, we got it right. And he created Isa alayhi salam without the involvement of a male through a female only. And you and I, the fourth and the last possibility, he creates us and he has created us through male and female. Qudra of Allah, the power of Allah. No one questions him. لا يُسْأَلُ عَمَّا يَفْعَلْ وَهُمْ يُسْأَلُونَ He, no one questions him regarding what he does. They cannot question him. But he will question everyone else. Everyone else is answerable, which means they can be questioned. May Allah make it easy for us the day he questions us. Ameen. My brothers, my sisters, Adam alayhi salam had many children. They were born through the womb of Hawa, our mother, Eve, may peace be upon her. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells this to us. Ya Amazing verse, beginning of Surah An-Nisa. Oh people, Allah says, this address is not just to the believers. Allah says, oh people, be conscious of the one who made you, the one who is in control of you, the one who nourishes, who cherishes, who provides, who protects, the one in whose hands lies the cure of your ailments and sickness. Be conscious of the one who made you in the first place. From one soul and from that soul, its spouse and from the two of them he caused a multitude of male and female to spread all over mashallah we are here in kullu dufushi in the maldives we are also part of the same family of the same man whom allah created allahu akbar allahu akbar but now and this is where we're entering into the topic from that time Allah created every brain with a different capacity. If he wanted, he could have made every brain with the same capacity. Is it not correct? If Allah wanted, he could have made all the brains exactly the same. But no, 
Allah created us to test us. He says that so many times. And the Prophet Muhammad has explained it to us so many times. You are going to be on earth for a short period of time to prove that you are a good person worshipping Allah alone. And you do as best as you can on the earth. Once you are done, we take you back. We will show you your deeds and we will give you paradise or hellfire. May Allah grant us paradise. Ameen. Right? So Allah tells us, I created you to test you. I've spoken about that in the past. And I've explained that evidence of the fact that we are on earth to be tested is that none of us chose our parents, nor did we choose to be on earth. Did any one of you choose before you were born to say, I want to go to the earth? Not one. Someone put you here. He is the supreme deity. You are not here by your own will because you did not have a will at that point. Do you get the point? Subhanallah. You didn't. I didn't decide I want to be here. I didn't choose my parents. I didn't choose those around me. I did not choose where I was going to be born and to what race. Subhanallah. Allah married the soul to a body for a short space of time. That's Allah. And then Allah says, I'm going to let many, many things happen to you on earth in order to test you every single thing that will ever happen to you on earth is part of your test. Every single thing that will ever happen to you on earth is part of your test. What you make of it, how you navigate through it, how you solve it, how you resolve it will determine whether you pass the test or not. We are going to send you messages with messengers to tell you, to teach you exactly how to solve every single problem. If you follow them, you will be rightly guided and you will pass the test. If you don't, you will be astray and you will fail and perhaps you will not be able to pass any test may Allah make it easy for us Allah says I sent to every nation messengers to tell them what the test is all about how to navigate through so who is the messenger who was sent to us what is his name Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam my brothers my sisters from the very beginning Adam alayhi salam he had children Every one of them had a different brain capacity. They thought differently. They understood at different levels. Every one of them had a different iris, a different thumbprint, a different identity, a different face, a different complexion, etc., etc. That is Allah. This is the creation of Allah. Every one of us is totally and absolutely unique. Not only human beings, every creature, every fish in the sea has its scales in a different way. If it has scales, every zebra on earth has its stripes differently. Every leopard, every cheetah, every animal has its spots differently from the first one that ever was created to the last one. No two will be exactly the same. That is the creation of the creator. Show me what others besides Allah have made. That's what Allah says in the Quran. La ilaha illallah. Look at the power of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we think differently. Naturally, because we think differently, we will have differences. You see? We will have differences. Let's take a look at the first difference. That Allah makes mention of right at the beginning in the same children of Adam, first generation of human beings. 
واتل عليهم نبأ ابني آدم بالحق إذ قربا قربانا فتقبل من أحدهما ولم يتقبل من الآخر قال لأقتلنك قال إنما يتقبل الله من المتقين It is one of the most amazing stories in the Quran Yes, there are so many amazing stories, but from this angle and this aspect to explain differences and how they are and the fact that they will be and they shall be until the end of time differences in interpretation, in understanding and so many other things. And Allah says, you know what? The most successful are only those who are conscious of their maker at all times. Those who ask themselves, where was I prior to birth? They will be successful because they will find the answer. Those who keep asking themselves, where will I go as soon as I die? They will be successful because they will find the answer if they are sincere and they are genuine. Those who ask themselves, why am I on earth? They will be successful by the will of Allah if they are sincere. Subhanallah. So Allah says, recite to them, O Muhammad wasallam, the story of the two sons of Adam. They were both sons from different wombs. But they were brothers recite to them the story when they sacrificed something for the sake of Allah. It was accepted from one of them and rejected from the other. So the one whom it was rejected from became jealous. Look at the understanding. Look at the brain capacity. Look at the way he looked at things and he told him I will kill you. So the brother looked at him thinking, what is kill all about? Because no one had killed prior to that. Where did you learn this from? What is it? Shaitan taught him according to some narration that we have from the Israeli riwayat Shaitan taught him That you should do this and choke your own brother until he stops all your trouble will finish Not realizing when you kill someone your trouble starts You don't kill may Allah grant us ease You don't take it in your own hands people think you know that person is like this this person is like that my brothers and sisters I want to clarify something in order to execute the penal code of the Sharia, you need the first thing you ever need is called Sulta, Sultan. You need authority. Without authority, you cannot execute the penal code of the Sharia at all. You need authority on land. I can't just say, okay, that guy is a murtad, I need to kill him. This guy is something else, I need to harm him. Not at all. Never ever is that permissible from the beginning of time right to the end of time. Nor was it permissible at the time of Muhammad or that of any of the Khulafa right up to today. But nowadays you have young people telling others, Here's the verse of the Quran. Here's the, the Sunnah of the Prophet. ﷺ. He says, If a person does this, they should be killed. I'm going to kill them. How can you take it in your own hands? You don't know the basics. You haven't learned. Go back and learn. The basic first teaching is that you need Sultan on the earth. You need authority. If you don't have it, you cannot take it in your hands. If you took it in your hands, it would result in absolute chaos on earth because you you would kill someone they would kill you the others would kill the others and harm the others and we would be harming everyone we would be gangs harming and killing on a daily basis and that's what you think Allah created us for not at all if you don't have authority what do you do you need to get to authority to try and make sure that things are dealt with in a correct way sometimes a year or two years will pass and nothing was done about it. That is the delay Allah is watching to see. 
did you just take something in your hands that's not in really in your hands it's not given to you by Allah you don't have the authority to execute that if people don't like me they, they might decide this man needs to die next thing I'm dead and next thing you're dead and next thing the other one's dead and we will continue subhanallah is that what life is all about not at all you need authority on earth if you don't have it hang on yes if someone is coming to harm you right now to defend yourself that is your basic right and your duty someone wants to slap you and you hold his hand someone wants to punch you and you might punch him back because he is punching you etc all that is understood from even from a human side may Allah protect us all someone wants to steal your property harm your wife your children whoever else your family members you'd protect yourself and you save them that is something that is basic instinct yes it's granted permission not just in Islam but even by normal human understanding may Allah grant us protection all of us my brothers and sisters look at what Kabil did Kabil is the name of the killer in the English language Cain the name Cain is used Kabil one of the sons of Adam he was the son of the first of the creatures of Allah loved by Allah Adam alayhi salam and Eve they were loved by Allah Allah chose him to be the first our grandfather great great grandfather subhanallah he is the connection through which we are all brothers and sisters by the will of Allah so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us the story not for nothing for us to learn a lesson Kabil comes about you know what he does he decides I'm going to kill my brother the brother is Habil Habil in the English language Abel so one is Cain he is the killer and one is Abel he is the one who was killed okay Kabil who is the killer and Habil who is the one who was killed what did Habil say to his brother just before he was killed it's a very powerful statement that Allah mentions in the Quran and it's not so easy to recite it in terms of pronunciation and tajweed. Let's give it a go. Subhanallah. Did you hear that? Allah says the brother told his brother, Oh my brother. Remember the brother just threatened to kill him, right? Oh my brother, if you are going to extend your arm to kill me, I want to tell you, I'm not going to extend my arm to kill you. Subhanallah. You want to kill me and you're going to do something to kill me? I'm not going to extend my arm to kill you. Why? What was the reason? Inni because I fear Allah I am conscious of Allah who is Lord of the worlds I know I don't want to destroy my relationship with Allah by risking to kill you subhanallah today people kill anyone and everyone in the name of the same Allah whom Allah says to us when Habil was making the statement he said I fear Allah who's Lord of the worlds that's why I'm not going to kill you but today we kill Allah we kill the people thinking that we fear Allah those who claim to be fearing Allah are the ones who are killing others at times you see where we have gone upside down here and we use all sorts of 
different evidences to prove our point. Hang on, my brother, my sister, we are all creatures of Allah. When you see someone and you have a massive difference of opinion, someone who did something wrong, what is your first idea today? We hate them. We want to punch them. We want to demonize them. We will write about them on the internet. We will punch. We will post. We will do everything negative. Not one thing positive did we do. Not one thing. That's why we're failing. When someone does something bad, the first thing that should come into your mind is how can I help this person to come out of this? La ilaha illallah. That's the first thing. You're a true mu'min. You believe in Allah. If you believe in Allah, you will believe that the same Allah who made you made them. And if you believe in Allah and you want Allah to love you, you will love what Allah created and you will want goodness for those. You will want goodness. If Allah wanted, he could have guided them all. He could have got everyone on one brain capacity and that's it. But Allah says, no. I created people different to test you. What are you going to do when I place you on the earth? Don't fail your test. La ilaha illallah. So now here comes this man. He killed his brother. When he killed his brother, immediately Allah says, He regretted it. Too late, my brother, too late. You're regretting it now, too late. You already committed the murder. Now let's move further. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from that story has taught us that there will be differences. If you deal with these differences wrongly, you will destroy yourselves and you will regret. And Allah says, Min because of that murder and because of everything that happened, we prescribed, we sent a message to the earth. We sent a message to Banu Israel, the children of Yaqub. We sent a message through our messengers. What did we say? I'm going to mention one part of the message. Allah says, because of that, we prescribe that, you know what? Whoever is going to kill some innocent soul, whoever is going to cause that is equivalent to the one who has destroyed entire humanity. You know why? You start off a trend that will not end. A bad trend. And Allah says those who spread chaos and corruption on earth, they are equivalent to destroying the people on the earth. And if you save one life, the term used is nafs. Nafs means one life. One soul, you save one soul. Allah didn't just say a Muslim or the person who belongs to your tribe, your family, your race, your sect. No, Allah says one soul. That person is equivalent in reward and in good deed, similar to he or she who has saved entire humanity. You started a good trend. No matter how much I differ with you, I need to make sure that I respect the fact that you are a human being and that Allah gave you life. I differ. I am to respect the person's life does not mean you agree with them. This is the problem some people have in their brains. They think when we say, listen, I respect you, but I differ. They think that means you are with them. You are not with them. I don't agree with you at all. 
But you know what? I respect the fact that you are a human, you are a creature of Allah. That is the reason why Allah tells us he gave Jannah to a man who gave water to drink to a dog. A dog. Why a dog? If a dog walked into this room, would you allow it here right now? If a dog tried to sniff you, what would you do right now? Allah says that same dog you would run away from and you wouldn't like to enter into a room like this right now is the same dog if you were to quench its thirst when it was thirsty. We will give you paradise. What about a human being? Who is more important? Who is more important? Why did, why did Allah use the example of a dog? Why? There is a reason, a very powerful reason think about it if only you have knowledge and if only you do tadabbur and tafakkur and you think carefully about the reasoning behind this you will be able to understand a little bit at least why a dog allah wants you to respect his creatures primarily that's reason number one respect the creatures of allah we differ i disagree right now i'm sitting in this room filled with love filled with goodness we are enduring the beautiful humidity i am sweating but i'm enjoying it because i made an intention before i came to the maldives that i am going to a perpetual sauna alhamdulillah we pay to go into the sauna don't we come to maldives you get it for free mashallah i hope you are following what i'm saying here so my brothers and sisters remember this when you differ with someone it doesn't mean you have to lose respect of the fact that they are human and when you respect human beings it does not mean you agree with them we are losing it people think well you know what if i disagree with this person i can spit i can swear i can spew you will still be sinful if you backbit and you did whatever else you are still sinful allah created the mind different every one of us husband and wife love each other so much husband and wife love each other so much but they are still different from each other. They will think differently. You, your own children will differ from you. Their level of understanding is different. Based on that, we have had differences from the very beginning, subhanallah. From the very, very beginning. Based on that, we have had differences. Then we came to the rest of the prophets of Allah. And I'm jumping a lot. We came to Musa alayhi salam. Who was Fir'aun? Have you thought about it? Fir'aun was a tyrant. But he was also a human being. He was a child of Adam. Meaning grandchild. A human being. But he was Fir'aun. Don't forget. When Allah sent Musa alayhi salam. I want to explain something amazing to you. Allah knew already that the Fir'aun is not going to accept the message. Allah's knowledge is. That is the knowledge of Allah. He knows the past and the present and the future. And that which is not going to happen if it were to have happened how it would have happened. All that is in the knowledge of Allah. So Allah knew the Pharaoh was never going to accept the message. But still Allah sent Musa alayhi salam. Did Musa alayhi salam ever say, Oh Allah, don't waste my time. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. If you know he's not going to accept the message, why you sent me to him? Did he ever say that? No. But Musa alayhi salam went and he kept trying and he tried again and he was persecuted and he was harmed. It's the mercy of Allah. It's part of the test. A test for the Pharaoh, a test for Musa alayhi salam. He did his job. This one did not do here. This one did not do the job. Do you follow what I'm saying? So the Pharaoh was a human being. Allah sent Musa alayhi salam to him and Allah told him, speak to him leniently, 
speak to him softly in Malay the other day I was speaking about it and I mentioned the same story that Allah says subhanahu wa ta'ala speak softly speak calmly you do your job ultimately when Allah wanted to take the life away of the Pharaoh he took it who took that life away the one who gave it you follow what I'm saying the one who gave that life took it away we are so impatient here we want to take lives and I, I'm not talking about you and I I'm talking about as humankind we become impatient such that we wish for the lives of others to disappear and sometimes some people actually go ahead and take the lives away when Allah the giver of life was the one who gave it he will take it away when he wants subhanallah yes if a person has sultan authority on earth and there is a person who perpetrated a crime and they need to be penalized they shall be penalized that's definitely there we don't take that away we have to know it but you and i who are the general masses for us we need to continue to express and explain what we believe is correct with its evidence let's move all the way down to muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam i could speak about jesus may peace be upon him for a long long time i could actually address that matter in fact maybe i should say one or two points when jesus may peace be upon him came he had similar struggles he had to talk to the people if allah wanted he did not need that system but he wanted that system if allah wanted he could have created every one of us with a little chip in our brains as soon as you are you come out of the wombs of your mother alaykum. that's what would have happened right no allah did not want it to happen that way allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided when you come we will be creating you upon fitra every child is created upon nature the environment around that child starting with the parents the parents are the ones who then let the child grow up either into christianity or judaism or sabianism or even if it means islam and if the child is left to nature completely the child would find Allah the child would believe that there is one supreme deity who created me none is worthy of worship besides he who made me I don't render an act of worship for anyone or anything besides he who made me that is al-fitra that is nature according to what Allah taught us naturally the Fir'aun when he wanted to be saved what did he do subhanallah he called out to Allah right at the end. He says, I believe. When he was drowning, I believe that there is none worthy of worship besides the Lord of Banu Israel. And I'm a Muslim, I'm a submitter, I submit to the Lord of the worlds. Allah says to him, Is it now that you want to accept it when you were so corrupt in the past and you were from amongst those who transgressed? Now you want to accept? It's too late. 
May Allah grant us all a turning before it's too late. Didn't I say moments ago, those who are concerned about where we are going to go after we die would be the successful ones, right? Would be the successful ones. But those, subhanallah, who are not conscious of it, they're not worried about it. Would they be successful? Fir'aun, the day he thought about where he is going now, that's the day he started repenting to Allah. It was too late because he was already seeing death, right? If Fir'aun thought of life after death before he died, who knows what would have happened? That's why we say, The Prophet says, Increase the remembrance of that thing which is death, which will destroy all your negative desires, all your faults and all your sinful desires destroyed. Why? Because I'm worried about the day I meet with my maker. What will he think of me? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when Jesus, may peace be upon him, came, he suffered the persecution of this side and that side and all other sides. Very few people accepted at one stage, but he was a merciful man. He brought about mercy and goodness, miracles that Allah gave him. He could cure the leper. He could speak to, he could do so many things. Subhanallah. He never gave up. At the end of the day, Allah took him away and raised him. And we believe that he's going to return. Jesus may peace be upon him. We as Muslims believe he is alive and we believe he's going to return. How? Allah knows best. You don't ask how. We believe. Muhammad came. He came to Quraysh. Allah chose him to be the final messenger and yet Allah chose him to be the best of creation, the most noble of all prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent him to Quraysh and initially to Quraysh, but actually that message was for all mankind and jinnkind. First messenger of Allah whose message was absolutely universal. He said clear instructions. He gave clear words. It stretched through a period of 23 years. The Quran was not revealed in one minute or it was not given as a book. Like how Musa alayhi salam went, he collected the book and he came back with it. Muhammad was given the message in a different way. It was stretched over 23 years. There is something known as Asbabun Nuzul, which means when some things happened, those things were recorded and a verse was revealed regarding that matter. So in order to understand the Quran correctly, you need to also know the reasons of revelation of these verses. And then there was something unique regarding Muhammad that no other messenger has had to that degree. What was it? Every movement of his was recorded. Even the blinking of his eyes were recorded. The movement of his fingers were recorded. The way he nodded his head was recorded. His silence was also recorded at times. When Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu anhu was eating a certain type of a desert lizard known as a dab, the Prophet's silence was enough to confirm that it was permissible. It's the silence. It was recorded. Because they said if he was there and he was quiet, then it's okay. Subhanallah. He was a messenger of Allah. It was his duty to have said, or this, or, or keep quiet if it's okay. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us. So at the time of the Sahaba, who were they? Who were the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? I tell you, my brothers, my sisters, they were the cream of the crop. We call them creme de la creme. 
right cream of the crop the best allah chose the best as the companions of muhammad we as ahlu sunnati wal jama'ah we believe that abu bakr as-siddiq radiyallahu anhu whose name was actually abdullah ibn uthman radiyallahu anhuma he was the best to walk on the earth after the prophets of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of rank and value and he was number one from all the companions of muhammad in terms of rank and value who else we believe in umar ibn al-khattab and these names came to us we all know them every one of us knows who is umar ibn al-khattab we know who is uthman we know who is Ali They differed amongst themselves regarding certain matters. Not the major matters, but certain matters they differed. I give you one example where the companions of the Prophet differed. They had participated in the battle and as they are going back, the Prophet ﷺ tells them, None of you should read Salatul Asr except in Bani Quraidah. That's exact translation of those words. None of you should read Salatul Asr except in Bani Quraidah. And it was almost time of Salatul Asr. Why did he say that? That was a question mark that was in the minds of some of the companions. Did he instruct us not to do Asr except in a certain place where Banu Quraidah, which was a Jewish tribe, was? Or was he just trying to tell us that it is very important that you get there urgently, but he was not trying to delay the timing of Al Asr? You see? You have to understand what I said here. The Prophet wants to get you to a place urgently, very urgently. So the words he used in the Arabic language, he said, لا يصلينا أحدون العصر إلا في بني قريضة أو أحدكم العصر إلا في بني قريضة. You should not fulfill your asr except in Bani قريضة. When they got, they immediately jumped onto their horses and however else, whatever mode of transport, and they started going. Somewhere down the path, it was time of Salatul Asr and it was beginning to expire. So some of the companions say the time of Asr is starting to finish, right? Can we, should we just fulfill it here and then we will proceed? And some said, no, didn't you hear the instruction of the Prophet He said, you're not allowed to read Asr except in Bani Quraidah. So these companions had said, no, we heard what he said, but what he meant was get there quickly as soon as you can. He did not mean delay your Asr outside the time of Asr. The others said, no, he meant it. He meant that today Asr will only be valid if it is read in Bani Quraidah and not here. There was a difference of what? Understanding. Do you get the point? Did they start killing each other? Did they stop there and start warring? I think maybe some people now might have done that. Luckily, they were Sahaba. Anhum. Each one of them was well-intentioned. Their intention was to follow the Prophet ﷺ. It was not to disobey. So those who believed that they had to stop and do Salah, they stopped and did Salah because they were following the Prophet. Wasallam, according to their understanding and those who thought that the Prophet wasallam, they understood his words as meaning today the salah has to be delayed until you get to a place they got to the place and then they did asr can I tell you the beauty of what happened 
if Salatul Asr took five to ten minutes, those who stop took five to ten minutes out of the journey time. When they started their journey, they were five to ten minutes behind the others. When those people got to Banu Quraida, they did their Asr, they were now five to ten minutes later, these people arrived. So both of them had completed Salatul Asr round about exactly the same time. To follow the point, meaning one got to Banu Quraida, they had already made Asr, and as these were finishing Asr, now they were both in Banu Quraida, more or less a few minutes apart. They asked the Messenger وسلم, and he correct, he said both of them were correct. He did not negate either one of them. Amazing. That alone shows us that there is scope of difference of opinion within Islam to a certain extent. If, if we say the basics of Islam, we cannot differ in them. Do you know why? Those are the pillars of Islam. The pillars of Iman and Islam, there is no difference. If I ask you today, please answer me loudly, okay? Will you answer me loudly, right? How many pillars of Islam are there? How many? Five. Thank you so much. Nobody from among you said four or three or six because that you cannot differ. That is Islam, the basics. If I tell you the basic statement of entering the fold of Islam, all of you will know it's called the Shahada. Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. You have to say that. That is basic entry level. Once you say that, you stepped into something known as Islam. I'm a Muslim. Subhanallah. Allah says, you know, some of the Bedouins, they had said, we are Muslims. Allah says, hang on. You are saying you are Muslims, but Iman has not yet got into your hearts. So say, we are Muslim. They said, we are Mu'min. Let me go back again. The Bedouin Arabs, some of them had said, we are Mu'min. Allah says, no, you are Muslim. Iman has not yet gotten into your hearts. What does that mean? I need to know what it means. It's very important. It means there are pillars of Iman that we need to have in the heart. And what is in the heart, only Allah knows. Look, the pillars of Islam, we said there are five. Every one of them, you can see someone do them or say them or be with them. And you know, these are deeds and actions. Number one, the utterance of the Shahada. Number two, Salah, Zakah, Saum, and Hajj. Pillars of Islam. You can see someone go for Hajj. You can see someone fasting. You can see someone give Zakah. You can see, when I say fasting, you can see them abstain from food, right? When everyone else is eating. And you can also see someone say, I'm a Muslim, I'm, I bear witness. Once they have said that they bear witness, that Allah is one none worthy of worship besides Allah. And they bear witness Muhammad is the final messenger of Allah, Nabi of Allah. They are Muslim. Whether they are mu'min or not is between them and Allah. Amantu billahi wa malaikatihi. Do you really believe in your heart what you said with your tongue? We don't know. Allah knows and you know. Allah knows and I know. Iman. Iman is in the heart. Allah knows and you know. There will be some who are hypocrites. They were hypocrites at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. Two types of hypocrites. The worst of them are those who pretend to be Muslim, but they're not Muslim. Those are the worst. 
The second category are those who are Muslim, but they are struggling sometimes. And sometimes there is a little bit of hypocrisy. Someone says, read your salah. Did you do your salah? But he himself is not doing salah. It's a hypocrite. Nifaq amali. It's a hypocrite. Hypocrisy of a certain nature. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us. And he says, you know, when you say you believe in Allah, you better believe in Allah. When you say there is none worthy of worship besides Allah, that's the meaning of La ilaha illallah, isn't it? La ilaha illallah, what does it mean? There is none worthy of worship besides Allah. If you say that, think of it. Now someone comes and starts worshipping all sorts of other things besides Allah and they still say, I'm a Muslim. Allah says, hang on, hang on. You said La ilaha illallah, but you're not practicing on it. When I say Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu I need to follow the messenger. I need to try my best to be like the messenger. I need to practice his path. When he taught me how to do salah, I need to do it the way he taught it and so on. If I don't, I'm saying Muhammadur Rasulullah, but do I really believe Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? So the Islam part of it, other people can witness. The Iman part of it, Allah alone knows whether it is true or not. Amantu billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rusulihi wal yawmil akhir wal qadr khayrihi wa sharrihi min Allahi ta'ala. Do you really believe in good and bad fate coming from Allah? When some calamity strikes you, something goes against your plan totally, do you become so angry or do you take it and accept it as the decree of Allah? That's the test. When things don't happen your way, Allah wanted to do it that way to see what you will do as a result. Subhanallah. So I tell you, my brothers and sisters, that belief in all the books and all the messengers and good and bad faith coming from Allah and the last day, you know, when we say the last day, we're talking about Yawmul Qiyamah and the last day, meaning when we die, there is a life after death. Subhanallah. All of these beliefs. Allah alone knows whether you believe or not. You believe in the angels. People say, yes. Do you really believe in the angels? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect our iman. So the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, in those major matters, the pillars, they never differed. They didn't. Nobody from among them said that there is two salah a day, one salah a day. If I ask you today, how many prayers a day? What will you say? Five. No difference of opinion. Subhanallah. That is Islam. The pillar of Islam. We pray. We fast. Which month do we fast in? Shawwal, Dhul Qa'dah or Ramadan? Ramadan. We all know that. Hajj. Can I go now and say, oh, it's off season. Let me go for Hajj. No. Off season. You have to go for Hajj when it is the time of Hajj. Season or no season. That is Hajj. We all agree. So, in this essence, there is no difference, inshallah. May Allah make it easy for us. If someone negates one of the pillars of Islam, how can they call themselves Muslim? Right? If someone negates one of the pillars of Islam, how can they call themselves Muslim? They say, La ilaha illallah. They don't say Muhammadur Rasulullah. They don't believe Muhammad was the messenger. Well, then, how do you believe in the Quran? It's something strange. You have people who say, I only take the Quran, I don't take the Sunnah. Well, that is so foolish because the one who brought the Quran is the same one who gave you the Sunnah. Why you took one and left the other? What's the difference? Subhanallah, Rabbil Alameen. Yes, there is in the sense that one, he told you this is from Allah. And the rest of his life, like I said, the uniqueness of the life of the Prophet Muhammad is 
amazing because it's different from all the other messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have something known as hadith, the narrations, the life, the seerah of the Prophet his entire life history. All of that is recorded. Those things that are very important were recorded with greater care. There is something known as Ar-Rijal, Asma'ur Rijal, Al-Jarah wa Ta'deel, the names of the men and women who narrated the sayings of the Prophet, peace be upon him, to us. There were differences of opinion regarding certain matters, but those matters were not the major matters of the deen. However, when it comes to matters, for example, how exactly to pray, you will find some people might tie their hands lower down, some people will tie them higher. Some people will not tie them at all. Some people, when they get to the front to start the salah, they will raise their hands here. Some will raise it here. Some start it without raising it. I've seen it myself in the Maliki school of thought. One of the opinions is that you shouldn't make any movement because you need to stand with total respect in front of Allah. So they don't even make a movement at the beginning of the prayer. And you will be surprised suddenly seeing them quietly go into Rukur and you're wondering, can you say that person's not a Muslim? Wallahi, they are following a different narration. Don't get too excited. We have an issue. Our duty is to follow the narrations that are the most accurate or most correct. But we have a new problem. What is the new problem? There is a difference of opinion regarding sometimes which is the most correct. That is also a difference of opinion. Don't worry, my brothers and sisters, these matters of jurisprudence, you are allowed to differ. Don't worry. Whether you raise your hands here or here, or even if you just stood like this, all of those have evidence. One might argue this is stronger and that is weaker. There is an entire discussion in that regard. But to be very honest, if someone decided that this is the way I'm going to do it because of this narration, you cannot remove them from the fold of Islam or frown upon them. Something we need to learn. Many people don't know. We learn one thing and we think that's the only thing in existence. It's not. There are other things as well. And these opinions are not opinions of simple people. The great Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Look at the Khulafa al-Rashidin, the four I mentioned earlier. May Allah's peace be upon them. Do you know what? May Allah be pleased with them. Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, he was a little bit lenient. So he penalized the one who indulged in intoxicants with a lesser punishment. And Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu said, no, punish him more. Punish him more. He said, no, I am the Amir al-Mu'mineen and this is what it will be. I'll do it exactly the way the Prophet ﷺ did it. Here it goes. When Umar ibn Khattab anhu took over, he, he changed it. He made it more. He was the leader. He has certain scope. He also had his evidence he was following. It might not have been a direct cut evidence, but it was the evidence. He was one of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. As soon as Uthman ibn Affan anhu took over, he went back to what Abu Bakr anhu used. Subhanallah. And when Ali ibn Abi Talib anhu took over, he went back to what Umar ibn Khattab anhu used. 
in order to punish the same crime. Did they hate on each other? No. Let's learn. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us and grant us ease. So yes, there will be differences of interpretation. But those differences of interpretation will not be in the main matters of the deen. They will be in extra external matters, matters of jurisprudence where we are allowed to differ. We may disagree. There is an argument about whether or not you have to cover your hands as a female. There are opinions. Listen to the opinions. Follow what you believe is the best and most correct and carry on moving. Your you are going to be questioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you're a lay person, you may have to just follow a scholar. You may have to follow a school of thought because you're a lay person. You haven't studied. The minute you have studied all the evidences and you know you can distinguish right from wrong, you need to follow what you believe is the most correct, subhanallah, because Allah is going to ask you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us acceptance. May Allah open our doors. My brothers and sisters, it is a topic whereby I think the whole conclusion of it should make us realize that yes, there will be differences within a scope. That should not result in us spewing hate on one another. This is my message. All I'm trying to say to you is the Prophet ﷺ and his companions they did not teach us to become vulgar and abusive and hurtful and hateful and violent simply because we differed on a matter. Remember that. When you differed on a matter, later on, there were some wars that took place. Don't you learn from those wars? Why did they take place? Hypocrites caused the wars. They made good people fight. And later on, there was regret. Up to today, there are wars. I mentioned the countries around us predominantly Muslim, mostly Muslims in those countries. You know what they did? They started killing each other. Over what? Differences they had. I'm not happy. You're not happy? We've said it a million times. Raise it in a respectable, humane way. Don't create two problems out of one. Right now, you might have one problem. Don't deal with the one problem in a way that you are going to create ten problems out of one. Look at the people of Libya. May Allah have mercy on them. Look at the people of other countries. I, the list is too long. Look at where they are today. They are crying to go back even 10 to 15 years. They are crying to go back. Don't allow that regret ever to come in your midst. Don't do that which is foolish. And don't allow people to use religion to con you into believing that you have to be violent to please Allah. Remember what I've said. We care. We care for the ummah, the whole ummah. And we care for humanity at large. When I see a non-Muslim, I call him a not yet Muslim because I have so much confidence within me that the mercy of Allah will guide that person. We have confidence. I don't need to swear you because I have confidence in the goodness I have. Subhanallah. When you see people differing with you, the non-Muslims, Sometimes even the enemies of Islam. Yes, it depends what has happened and where you are. But generally we are taught to care for them in a way that we want to see them get goodness. Allahumma a'izzal islama bi ahadil umarain. The Prophet ﷺ made a dua, Oh Allah, grant strength to Islam by the acceptance of Islam of either one of the two people. 
Umar ibn al-Khattab who was an enemy of Islam or Amr ibn Hisham by the name of Abu Jahal who was also an enemy of Islam. Here is the Prophet sallallahu saying, I am sent as a mercy, O oh Allah, guide one of the two of them. One of them was guided. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu came through. Where are those duas? If we had a man like Umar today who was blaspheming the Prophet, yes, we are hurt. Yes, it is unacceptable. Yes, we will not allow it. We're not allowed to mock. Don't mock at us because you will incite us. Don't mock at us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. Humankind needs to know that as Muslims, we are hurt even when you mock at Jesus. May peace be upon him. Even when you mock at Moses, we are hurt. We are naturally hurt. When you love someone so much, you are automatically hurt. When someone mocks, you can disagree with us. That's what we are telling them. But disagree respectfully just like we are taught to disagree respectfully our quran tells us not to mock at the deities and those who are calling out to deities besides allah allah tells us not to mock so why are you mocking at us may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us so yes we are hurt we will hurt but at the same time learn to react in a way that makes those people realize their mistake sometimes we react in a way that makes that vindicates it makes them believe yes we were always right what we were saying these people are harsh violent arrogant they threaten they live off terrorism etc that's not true when you see a muslim brother or a sister practicing islam they have a long beard they might have covered their themselves they might have covered themselves fully in no way does that depict terrorism no way not at all they have followed it in their own way and you will notice their closeness to Allah in the softness of their nature. If their nature becomes harsh and hard, you will definitely realize that this person needs help. They have managed to look at the outside and they have managed to actually develop the outside. They still need help to develop the inside. Many people need help, myself included, to develop the inside in a better way. We need to think deeply over the creation of Allah. Why did Allah create people who are against us, for example, or people who differ from us, people who might die without even accepting the message of Islam? Why did Allah make them? He knows why. He knows the reason. He created them. He gave us some of the reasoning, but he may not have given us all of the reasoning, but it's a test for you as well. Subhanallah. Did I deliver the message? Yes, I did. Did I do it in a respectful way? Yes, I did. Did I respond to some of their confusions? Yes, I did. If I did everything, subhanallah, I fulfilled my duty. When I die, I will face Allah. He will grant me Jannah. When they die, they will face Allah and He will judge them. Subhanallah, Rabbil Alameen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us deal with our differences. I've spoken just over an hour and I didn't even realize that I've spoken for an hour. My brothers and sisters, I ask Allah to bless every one of us and I ask Allah to forgive our shortcomings, to bring us to the straight path, to bless humanity at large, to guide all those who are enemies of Islam to Islam, to soften the enmity of the enemy is part of da'wah. To be able to have a person come to you and say, I used to think Islam had no good teachings, but now I believe it has good teachings. That is a successful portion of da'wah. Many people don't know that. To takhfifu adawatil adu is part of success in da'wah because the ultimate guidance is not in your hands. The duty of the messenger is only to convey. 
But guidance, Allah will guide. If you conveyed and they understood what you're saying, it's enough. Allah will either guide them or if he wants, he might not guide them. It's up to Allah. Did you do your duty? Yes, I did. Now don't worry about anything else. That's why we say, my brothers, my sisters, there are people around the globe who hate Islam. Not because they know Islam, because they don't know Islam. That's the reason. They hate it. What are you doing to reach them? To reach them with a good sentence that at least they can one day say, I used to think Islam was bad, but now I know it actually has some really good teachings. Trust me, today you can reach millions of those type of people and you can help them at least believe that Islam is not a bad religion. That's your duty. That's my duty. Every one of us's duty. That is da'wah. That is calling people towards goodness. That is the first step. You started something. Then when you have an interaction with them, remind them of Allah. Remind them of worshipping Allah alone and so on and so forth. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless every one of us. May we have mercy on one another. May we be kind to one another. May we be respectful to one another, even though we may disagree. And I'm repeating it for the last time here to say, my brothers, my sisters, when you disagree very strongly with someone, that is not reason to disrespect the fact that they are human beings and they are owed the right as human beings for you to respect that life. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless every one of us. Haqulu qawli hadha wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.